Upstream with Jim and John, father and son conversations about discipleship and culture in the Pacific Northwest. I'm John. And I'm Jim. And today we are going to talk about what do we need to do to be saved? Is faith alone good enough to be saved, to, to make it into heaven? Yeah, and faith is a, faith is a trigger word. So let's say belief. How about belief. that? Sure. Is belief alone? Because what, What's the trigger word with faith? Well, I mean, you could say, well, um, is does faith believe or does faith act? So, mm. you know, the guy with the wheelbarrow on the tightrope, how many of you believe I can push this wheelbarrow across these this high line? Oh, we all believe. Well, who will get in? And nobody will get in. So uh, <laughs> okay, belief believes, faith gets in. So Yeah, is belief enough? Is belief enough? To, to get in heaven. I, I, I'm, I may have given us a hint there because – we're actually going to let this unfold in front of us because we have some very serious questions that a lot of people are asking, I think, and that you've been wrestling with, John, mm-hmm. about what is it that's required of you? Well, and honestly, I'm surprised it took me this long because it's very much a basic question, <laughs> you know, and people yeah. since uh, since the Nicene Creed have been have been asking this question. So we're not the first. And I think there's a pendulum swing. I think, um, you know. Uh, Christians, there are periods of time where Christians are become legalistic and very focused on works, and then it swings back to grace. Mm. And the question is, you know, where does that pendulum actually belong? Yeah, for sure, for sure. Uh, before that, it is story and or joke time. Yeah, uh, my uh, it's your week, week, your week for a story. My favorite favorite time of the week. I I actually prefer show and tell, even though it's like you have the pressure to go find something meaningful to you, but. Mm-hmm. Um, this one's very recent. I went to this last weekend. I went to a wedding for a really good friend of mine. He was my roommate in college for only one semester. I show up. Oh, he just uh, couldn't, he couldn't handle the Jonathan. Huh? <laughs> he actually, an opening showed up in the student apartments at Northwest, which were like um, very coveted. Yeah, yeah, they were very, very coveted. Uh, you didn't have to be on the meal plan, so you saved lots of money. Uh, you had a little more independence. Generally, I think you had to be... In a, they had like a point system to get there, so generally only upperclassmen could be, could get there. So it was like, was there a curfew in the apartments? Uh, that's a great question. Um, nobody observed it if there was. So yeah, they could really enforce it in the dorms, but in the apartments, you had you were real adults. Well, actually, it, even in the dorms, curfew wasn't um, like you could be on in the common room of your dorm till sunrise. Um, oh. so you could be out of your room all through the night. I think they locked the outside doors at a certain point. But uh, anyway, so this is my buddy Dennis. Yeah. And he was born in Ukraine, and then his whole family moved over here when he was very young. And uh, um, he lives in this big community in Everett, or around Everett, of other Ukrainian uh, immigrants. Massive, massive community with lots of families, and all those families are very big. Um, and so, and he had told me a little bit, you know, talking to him throughout the, throughout the years. Cause we, it, it wasn't like one semester then he dipped. We hung out all throughout Northwest. Um, and so, uh, like he was in my bridal party. He was one of my groomsmen. And I was like, mm. Hey, you know, you're going to return the favor. <laughs> and he said, uh, that in Ukrainian weddings, the groomsmen are all bachelors and the bride and the bridesmaids are all bachelorettes. They can't be married. Oh. Oh. Uh, and generally they're related to you or, or, or at least Ukrainian. But generally, they're interesting. You know, yeah. I don't, I don't yeah. think that one's a solid rule, but um, it'd be very challenging if it wasn't because the whole ceremony was in Ukrainian. And I didn't know because Dennis is very American culturally. Uh, he, he speaks. So you didn't know this till you till the wedding kicked off and then you realized, I don't know what they're saying. Well, I was curious. So leading up to it, I had all kinds of doubts because I was like, I don't, how Ukrainian is this thing going to be? I wore blue jeans. <laughs> I went Texas sharp. So I had blue jeans, nice shoes, a button up. Uh, a blazer like a like a sports coat, uh, tweed jacket. Not tweed this time. I I had to use my my uh, gray one from that I got married in. Oh, okay. So maybe it's not Texas sharp technically, but yeah, it's pretty close. And uh, were you underdressed? Um, no, no. I, I don't think I stood out. And I wore my bolo tie to top it off. Oh wow! Uh, my owl bolo tie, which was my first wow. show and tell item. 
And I got to tell you, I was looking pretty slick. And I got many, I got many compliments. Many compliments oh, yeah? on the bolo tie. On the bolo tie? On the bolo tie, yeah. Really? <laughs> so, um, so a whole thing's Ukrainian. Lots and lots of older Ukrainian people who, you know, that's their home. Um, the minister, you know, everything Ukrainian, they do lots of prayer in the ceremony. The ceremony was very, was, was actually pretty Western. It was, I could kind of tell what was going on, um, with, with some different things, but, uh, uh, both the bride and groom lead a prayer and, uh, and Dennis prayed full Ukrainian in front of everybody His uh, bride prayed in English, but she spoke in Ukraine in other moments. I know she can speak it. I think maybe she was just more comfortable or, right. Or I'm not, I'm not entirely sure what that was about. Um, the ceremony was also, or the, the reception was also pretty Western except, um, no dancing Mm. and the, uh, they had these, an open mic with instruments and Ukrainian karaoke. Uh, yeah, yeah. Well, they use the keyboard to play some tracks and then, but sometimes they use actual, they actually use the instruments and many times his, um, people in the community and lots of his cousins and, and family would come up and sing songs. And uh, Dennis has a twin brother, another really good friend of mine named Fedor. And uh, that one's a little <laughs> Twins, more. Dennis and Fedor. Yeah. That's interesting. And they look nothing alike, like at all. It's like me and Tim. Uh, like not even, they're twins and they could be from different, you know, continents. Right. Um, but uh, uh, Fedor, you know, clear, obviously speaks Ukrainian. So he helped me with a few of the songs they were singing and stuff like that. Um, so anyway... Uh, uh, but it was, it was a lot of fun. There are a few things, um, as fun as going to a wedding with, for someone that you, that you love, you know, someone that, yeah, weddings in general are fun, but when you really, really care about the people, it's, it's a blast. My buddy, Alan, so I got to hang out with him. He was also, we were in like the same friend group. So him and his mm-hmm. wife came down and went to the wedding with us and it was, it was just a good time. We were at so the a great weekend, great weekend. We were at the American table. So everyone there, as far <laughs> as I could tell was, had something to do with this Ukrainian community. We get led to a table right by the head table. So like, I don't like, I can, you know, throw food at Dennis if I wanted to. And it's the American table. So it's me and Lindsay, Alan. Like they called it that the American table. It was reserved. It was reserved for the, presumably everyone gringos. Yeah, it was, (laughs) it was, uh, 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 six of us from Northwest, seven of us from Northwest. And then two of the bride's friends from high school. So all of us. Wow. And we were at we were at this table, and as far as I know, we were the only ones who were not Ukrainian. Now, I would imagine I have this imagination, probably from TV, like mm-hmm. John Wick and stuff, like <laughs> about a Ukrainian mafia. We made me and you, Alan made a you, lot of jokes. You think about there's that. some? You think there's some Ukrainian mafia in Everett in this giant Ukrainian, uh, you know, community? I think they all look like they've killed people. So there's like. <laughs> There's guys in like turtlenecks and blazers, and they look like they have a silenced pistol. Like at the that's head. hilarious. <laughs> like that's, they all at look the like, wedding. Yeah, it's crazy yeah. how much all of them look like they could just murder you. That um, is hilarious. It was very very funny. Um, joking, of course. They're from what I could tell, they're all very nice. <laughs> um, <laughs> but it was it was really really a blast. And um, I was wondering, like, yeah, are they going to kiss in their ceremony? Is there going to be like? Is there going to yeah. be any PDA? And they, yeah, they kissed, and it was it was not like a sterile, a, weird stoic it, wedding. It was passionate. Yeah, I, I was sitting kind of behind a post actually, so so I kind of missed can't the tell. yeah. But uh, but they they uh, kissed elsewhere in the reception, and the food was great. It was a great time. That's good. Oh, that's I, fun. One last thing. This is running long. Okay. I'm sorry. There's this uh, MC uh, at the reception. MC Hammer. Just an MC. I wish. Oh, okay. I wish it was MC Hammer. This guy, <laughs> uh, really, really, uh, and most. And again, to answer the question, most people there were very dressed up. There was one guy I saw in like a T-shirt in an American oh. wedding. You'll see maybe three or four of those guys. Uh, but the MC, dressed to the nines, he's got like a red, white, and blue tuxedo. Not not like just red, white, and blue. Blue suit with a white shirt and a red bow tie. I think is what it okay. was. Okay. So he looks like you know. <laughs> But and he's speaking Ukrainian. Fedor told me that he had a very thick American accent, so uh, which he said some of the uh, the the elder people would kind of not appreciate. Make fun of, yeah, oh yeah, yeah. Um, but uh, and obviously I couldn't tell. But hopefully uh, they didn't take him out and kill him that night for <laughs> being too American. <laughs> yeah, and then Fedor too for telling the foreigners their secret traditions. <laughs> but uh, 
So and this guy would was doing this weird game. I didn't fully catch because he was you know the whole, all of this was the default language was Ukrainian. Very rarely did they speak English. Yeah. And so uh, he would do this game where like a, a person had to choose a question for a person that they don't know in the room. Mm. And then the that other person's answer, the guy that they choose, has to select their answer, a random answer out of a bucket, and then explain why that's their answer. So it's like a weird. Oh, that's kind of cool. But it, it was all in Ukrainian. Yeah, he would. There was a on the little slips of paper. There was a in Ukrainian and in English. So oh, so nice. thank goodness. And um and Fedor told this random woman. She said he said say John Ladd, <laughs> and so she said it. And then so this guy comes over to me with the mic. Oh, and he said. Th- th- Earlier, he had done it with this guy with the beard, the long, long, like, Jonah beard. Yeah. And he said, uh, he said, you have uh, the best beard in here. And he said, well, except, and he points in my direction. He points at me. <laughs> and he says, except maybe that guy. And I wave at him. And uh, so I had the second best beard in the wedding. Nice. Um, and then in this weird, anyway, the game was fun. It was just a great time. Long story long. But hopefully. That's, yeah, ho- that's awesome. Hopefully my joy was, was transputed through the microphone. <laughs> and you can you could experience a little bit of it yeah so what does ukrainian sound like john can you speak a little it's, something did, did you learn any words not even a little bit i got well then nothing. make us some sounds you know fake it no, what, just, what just it imagine like? russian it's very similar to russian oh okay. we had a uh on the same floor in the same dorm uh a uh, uh another roommate who was russian and uh and they could maintain conversations in their language oh so so they're very similar they're both very uh, similar okay. yeah yeah yeah. Awesome. All right, let's get going, John. Okay. Dive us into this conversation because this is something you've been thinking about, and it's, uh, might I say, weighing a little heavy on you. Yeah. Um, there is, I had this question because uh, there is a lot of, it, I think it's it's mostly personified in like Hebrews, where, um, or, or this, a lot of a lot of salvation questions in Hebrews, it, it's actually personified maybe even more in like Peter, uh, or even in the Gospels, in the language of Jesus, so... My tension has always been um, between lines like um, all who call upon the name of Jesus shall be saved and mm-hmm. we are saved by grace alone through faith alone. Yeah. And then Not lines, by works lest any man should boast. Mm-hmm. And then lines from basically everybody, a common sentiment from the writers that say, you know, the sexually immoral will not inherit the kingdom of God. Mm-hmm. So that is a that's a works qualification. And so, uh, and it's not just sexually immoral, it's, it's everything. It's the sexually immoral, the slanderers, yeah, the, greedy. the con men, the, yeah. you know, and none of these people inherit the kingdom of God. So the natural thought is if a con man, slanderer, sexually immoral guy calls upon the name of Jesus, is he not saved? Hmm. So, uh, and growing up just a more context. So my belief was always, um, that as soon as you add more qualifications, right? So you say, if your belief is saved by simply, and you'll bring this up this term again later, simply um, imputed righteousness. Just the yeah. the righteousness of Jesus is on your account. That's mm-hmm. all God sees when he looks at you. That's all you need. It's a legal transaction. Yeah. He purchased your salvation. We have been, we have been um, bought uh, mm-hmm. by Jesus. We've adopted. Been, not our own. Yeah. We've yeah. been adopted. Um, we have been uh, redeemed, not with just uh, silver and gold, but with the precious blood of the Lamb of God. So it is his shed blood that redeems us. We are saved by faith, by grace through faith. Mm-hmm. Uh, and even the faith is not of yourselves, it says, but uh, this too is a gift from God. You wouldn't even be able to believe if God didn't help you. So, so you have no part. This is, this is, I think, where you were going, you know, this is the hammer down uh, grace message is that you have, you play no part in your redemption. But so this is the, this is what I'm talking though. So then you could say that the guy who still is not living in sin and he's, you know, he's, he's free. He's doing, you know, he's not sexually immoral. He's not a slanderer. And he calls on the name of Jesus. Um, that's only because of the spirit. Right. So that is almost more of a kind of, uh, predestination conversation maybe so like i don't i don't know but basically what i'm trying to say is as soon as you say that and right so as soon as you say you need um the imputed righteousness faith and right you need faith and as soon as you do that then i don't know where the line stops really and i don't really know how that's different than 
works salvation or the old law or the, you know, um, but there is, there seems to be an and there seems to be a, you need this and you have to change. Yes. And you know, when I was in high school and came to faith in Christ, they told me that, um, man, Jesus saves you with his sacrifice on the cross. His blood washes away your sin. Mm-hmm. But if you're driving 70 in a 55 and the rapture happens, you ain't going. Or if you're making out with your girlfriend in the back seat and the rapture comes, you ain't going. Yeah. And so I was like, that's kind of like like a Catholic Baptist. Is that what that is? (laughs) And I kept wondering, well, what is it exactly Jesus did for me if if I still have to be perfect? Right. The answer. Yeah. The answer is I do not have to be perfect. I can't be perfect. That's the that's the reason I need Jesus. And that's why it's frustrating when you come across a line from Jesus, you must be perfect as your father is perfect. That's it's like uh, it's like, well, is that it? You know? Yeah, that that's the um, the the I'm like, a, what's that? It's like a paddle with a rubber ball and a string and you don't 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 don't, you know, you, yeah, you, yeah, that's like that's with my my head, basically. So let's uh, let's lay out some options. OK, OK, so option one is what you referred to earlier, imputed righteousness that when Jesus was hung on the cross, the guilty verdict of your sin was nailed to the cross um, by him, and you are now declared not guilty uh, by virtue of the sacrifice of Jesus. So when mm-hmm. God looks at you, this is, what, this is what's told to you. This is what's preached. Uh, when God looks at you, he doesn't see you. He sees the righteousness of Christ appropriated to you. Um, his, his righteousness is... Um, granted to you. Right. And so now you are legally not guilty. Um, you are guilty, but he paid a debt he did not owe. I owed a debt I could not pay, says the old hymn. I needed someone to wash my sins away. Jesus comes and he pays that. And that is a transaction. This is a, it's a legal transaction and you are not guilty. Right. Forever. Yeah. That's so, okay. That's one option. Okay. Yeah. Keep going. Uh, another option is that um, that happens. Um, by the way, the reformers were the ones who started selling that. Martin Luther is the one who um, hung the uh, the treaty the treaties on the Wittenberg door and um, reformed the church. And he's the one who said, "By faith and faith alone." Gotcha. Okay. Uh, and so um, sola scriptura, only the scripture, not the traditions of men, not the blessings of the Pope, not the teachings of uh, priests, uh, but the Bible alone, by faith alone, by grace alone, uh, redeemed forever. Now, the thing is, those guys had, uh, many of them, those theologians, had legal training. They were lawyers. Oh. And they, and they tended to approach this subject as a legal transaction that that was accomplished for you and jesus is called our mediator we need a media he's the mediator between god and man and so he's our advocate the holy spirit is called the advocate which is a a, an attorney kind of role Mm -hmm. and so they frame this conversation entirely as a legal problem you are guilty and jesus takes care of your guilty verdict and god now declares you not guilty right so you frame it like that. That's the that's one option. Option number two is that um, that your faith then in the work of Jesus is the game changer because belief alone uh, might not do the job. So Jesus said, in fact, um, you believe there's one God. Even Satan believes that and shudders at the thought. Uh, James actually, I think, is the one that says that. And so uh, you know, even the devil believes. Yeah, but he doesn't have faith. So this now there's this question. Well, maybe your faith is the secret ingredient. And um, Jesus says, if you believe me, if you love me, you'll do what I what I tell you'll obey my commands. And so uh, this faith then is revealed. It's not accomplished, but it's revealed through obedience. Hmm. And so option number two is. It is the work of Jesus, but I have to believe it and give myself to it. And so I have to be, I have to respond with an active 
energized, obedient faith, or else I'm not saved. Hmm. Option three, then, and that's, would be, and that's the difference between faith and belief is the action element there. I believe that would be true. Yes. Okay. Then option three is no, no, you have to, you have to stop living in sin. Like you have to be sanctified. It's, it's not just what Jesus did for you, but now Jesus sacrifice for you enables you mm. to live a transformed life. And now all the 10 commandments are in play and you have to be perfectly obedient to those by the power of the Holy spirit in you or else you, you don't even have the spirit, you know, you know, right. Then you're out. Jesus didn't die for you. Yeah. 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 So I think those are, you know, really the three broad categories of thought. Yeah. So I think um, to me, so, so one is option one is the means, right? So that's what happens when you're saved is, is option one is, is imputed righteousness. Um, Jesus and knows. all the work alone. Now those guys would say, for example, when Lazarus was raised from the dead in the tomb, because mm-hmm. what, what the Bible says is you were not bad. You were dead. Right. You were you were dead in your trespasses and sins and he made you alive. So the the parallel would be raising Lazarus from the dead. You know, Lazarus didn't come out of the tomb, high five Jesus and go, Man, way to go, Jesus. Teamwork makes the dream work. <laughs> you said yeah. you said come forth and then I exercised my faith and came back to life. No, you only came back to life by a work of Jesus and him alone. So you played no part in your salvation. Yeah. It was a hundred percent a work of God, his grace that you should be nothing but thankful for. You can't take any credit for it. Now, earlier today, when you were talking to me about the possibility of this conversation, yeah. you referred to Romans eight, where the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus versus the law of sin and death. And so mm-hmm. you, you kind of framed it. And if I tell me if I got you right here, that you were wondering what that law of the spirit is like, like maybe I'm not free from law. I just have a new law. And yeah. so is that what's going on is that I have, there is a law. It's just a different law. And, and it seems to me that the, maybe the, um, like a very grace focused message would say you are rescued from the old covenant into nothing into, into freedom. And you did it. You're, you're there where, it seems like there's a lot of writing to suggest, and, and it made me, it, it felt like the beginnings of an aha that just raised more questions. So instead of the old covenant to freedom, it's the old covenant to the new covenant, which is the, mm-hmm. which, so instead of obeying the law of the flesh, you now obey the law of the spirit. That's, that is Romans eight right. um, or, or the beginnings of it. And, uh, and so then I was like, well, what is the law of the spirit? And, uh, and Paul has a qualifier for, and in that same chapter, I think, um, people who are led by the spirit do the will of God or, or, yeah. or thereabouts. Yeah. So that's, that's the qualifier. That's what those people do. So yeah. is, is that the new, is that the law of the spirit? Just doing the will of God? Well, no, <laughs> <laughs> uh, not that simply, but, um, uh, so, so let's, you, you threw a lot of concepts in there, um, about, about the law of the flesh, which is, you know, the Ten Commandments, obey mm-hmm. the law kind of thing. And then yeah, the, law the cleansing the and the, yeah. Yeah. What, what, what's the difference there? And you have, uh, it's interesting because in John 1, it says, in the beginning was the word, the word was with God, you know. He came, and to all who believed in him, to all who believed in his name, he gave them the right to become mm. children of God. Then it says, not children born of human desire or of a father's will, but born by God. Yeah, and I think, doesn't he use, uh, he says, not of imperishable seed of man, right? but right. Of, of imperishable but of, seed. But of the non-perishable, yeah, that, 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 that the seed of God, like the, so, so what happens at, at conversion, what happens when you are saved yeah. is a radical, radical thing. And I think maybe this is, uh, I think there may be a couple of uh, landmines in this whole conversation. One of them is, uh, is simply believing mean you're a Christian. And uh, what I love about Jesus is he doesn't, you know, he never gave, he never gave an altar call. He never said, pray the (laughs) sinner's prayer. Yeah. You know, he never said, uh, confess your sin and receive me as your Lord and Savior. He didn't do any of that. He just said, follow me. Yeah. And I and I think in following him, 
we become more like him. And then there's this moment happens. But, but Jesus said to Nicodemus, you must be born again. Yeah. You must have this new birth, this transformative uh, reality occur in you. And, and that happens by the Holy Spirit. So, so yeah, yeah, go ahead. Okay. Uh, so then, uh, I don't have a memory of that moment. And I know a lot of people who don't, who, who don't feel like they've lived as two different people. Yeah. Um, they, your mother is one of those. Yeah. 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 I've believed in God as long as I can remember. And I've just followed him and I love him and I've given my life to him and I trust him and I sense his presence and nearness. Yeah. So is and, that, I don't, and I don't remember that moment. Is that John the Baptist stuff where you're like filled with the spirit in the womb or what? You know, what is that? Because <laughs> <laughs> he wasn't born twice. I don't think he was. He was baptized. He was filled with the Holy Spirit in the womb. Yeah. But that was a, that was a freak show. That's not normal. I, I'm not trying to say I'm John the Baptist. I was making a yeah. joke. But yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, so what's yeah. that? Well, uh, I think a new birth has occurred. And so, um, and I think this is a really fascinating uh, conversation about do I enter in in a moment, mm-hmm. make this confession, believe in my heart, and now I'm saved? Or am I following Jesus? You know, it's like the disciples, you know, they were knuckleheads all the way up to the res- to the resurrection. <laughs> Yeah. And then they become these dynamos. The Holy Spirit came upon them in Acts chapter two. Yeah. And all of a sudden now they are unstoppable, uh, courageous, you know, unbelievable guys. And uh, the same thing happens for us. And yet at, uh, in, at the end of the Gospel of John, uh, the resurrected Jesus talks to them and he, and he says, go, go wait for me there. But then he breathes on them and, and he says, receive the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. So, uh, this law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. This is a this is a, this is a big deal. So, um, the 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 big rocks to me are, what does it mean to be saved? What what happens there? And yeah. what happens there is that Christ, um, lives in you. The Holy Spirit is born in you, and you become born again. Now that may not be a earth shaking. Uh, tears flowing. Uh, I used to be yellow and now I'm red. You know, it's not, it's not like that for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. And for some it is for some, they've had no relationship with God, no thoughts of God. And they have a collision with the gospel and they fall to their knees and they meet God. <clears throat> but for others, uh, especially if you've grown up in the church and in faith, you're following Jesus. And this happens as you go. Yeah. But the reality is what you're trusting in is the sacrifice of Christ to pay for the penalty of your sin, and the Holy Spirit is placed inside of you, and you are born again, born of the Spirit. Yeah. In John chapter 5, Jesus says, uh, whoever, whoever comes to me who's thirsty, drink my water, and you will never thirst again. And then he says, out of your inmost being will flow rivers of living water. This he spoke concerning the Holy Spirit, whom he was going to give. And in Acts chapter two, so we have this person of the Holy Spirit living in us. We are in Christ. There's a there's two word there's two words, two sets of words that that are used over and over and over in the New Testament. You are in Christ, and you are with Christ. We are buried with Christ, and we are therefore raised with mm-hmm. Him, <clears throat> and we are also in Christ. Um, and so uh, Romans eight one starts off. There's no condemnation for those who are in. Christ Jesus. Right. So so what does it mean to be in Christ? There's your salvation. There's that's all it takes is to be in Christ. And um it, so then something happens there when you're in Christ. So here's the second big rock before I carry that on is what do I have to do to stay saved? This is what people say, what do I have to do to get to heaven? Right. This was one of the <laughs> this was one of the great big mistakes of the American church is um trying to get people, you know, we have crusades. What a great word. Yeah. And we have altar calls. And the whole objective is to get people to say a prayer so that they are given a ticket and they've just punched their ticket into heaven because everything's about getting to heaven when you die. And that that's never been the message of Jesus. Not one time did he do that. Yeah. You don't see the apostles doing that. 
So uh, we made too big a deal out of this moment and this ticket. And the question is, I got the ticket. And if I sin, if I have a sexual sin, if I'm greedy, if I love money, if I lie, did I lose my ticket? Did I did I get the ticket and now the ticket's gone? Yeah. Um, and so this obsession with the ticket is not biblical. It's not. It was never the intention of the gospel. the The intention of the gospel is that we shall be saved when Christ returns. When this is all done, there's going to be a judgment day, and you're going to get to pass through that judgment and be saved because of your faith in the finished work of Jesus and your position in Christ. Hmm. So what we have to do is really stop talking about what do I have to do to go to heaven? It's really, um, it's really distract. It's, it's not helpful. Yeah. Um, so, so here's what Romans eight was. And I love the Romans eight pathway to help us understand this. So, uh, I'm I'm born again. Romans seven is this you know place where I found myself before I became in Christ. The wretched man that I am, who can save me from this body of sin and death? The things I don't want to do, I keep doing. The things I want to do, I don't do. Uh, but now the Holy Spirit has come in me, and there's no condemnation for me because I'm in Christ. Because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit that gives life has set you free from the law of sin and death. For what the law was powerless to do, because it was weakened by flesh, God did by sending his own son in the likeness of flesh in order that the righteous requirement to be a sin offering so that the righteous requirement of the law would be met for us. So this transaction happens. Christ comes and does for us what we cannot do. Then we have a new law. Now the law of Sin and death is no longer ruler over me. I am free from that. I don't have to concern myself with that. And I have a new law, the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. Now, what does that mean? I got an, and a quick question. I think the, for me, it's if you find yourself in Romans 7, mm-hmm. because cause 7 is, is pre-spirit, pre-transformation, and, and 8 is, you know, praise be to God then now I am this. Yeah. If you call yourself a Christian and you identify more with seven than eight, are you not there? Like what, you know, do you not have the spirit? What, what is that? Well, the secret then is, uh, Roman eight tells us to consider ourselves dead to sin and alive to God. Reckon. I love the King James word. Reckon yourself. So what we have to do is learn now to live this new life that has been given to us in the spirit. We are in Christ, which means now the victory of Jesus is ours. The, mm. uh, the power and presence of the Holy Spirit is ours. We have an empowerment. Uh, 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 the, we have God living in our bodies. And now we are invi- we're free. We're free to no longer be slaves gotcha. to sin and to our sinful nature. And we are free now to live with Jesus. So there are times when I don't live with Jesus. There's times when I live still in the flesh, but I'm but I have the invitation by God not to do that anymore. And um, so the question is, well, how good or bad? You know, is there a line there where if I'm not very good at that and I don't get very good at that, will I go to hell? Yeah. And that's where you're again. We're asking the wrong question. And what it does is it keeps you distracted from living a powerful life. Because you're afraid of living a not good enough life. And that was the purpose of Jesus coming anyway, was to stop this argument. But for me, the question, am I going to go to heaven or hell, is the same question as, am I in right standing with God? Which is an important question. Is one for for your own, you know, peace of mind. Am I an enemy of God? That's, to me, the same same Mm -hmm. question. And that's that's the one that... um, That's the one that jumps at you. Yeah. Yeah. And what would it be like to be an enemy of God? Uh, I don't, I guess I hadn't really thought about it that way or, or, or thought about a definition for it. But, but he, James says uh, that anyone who's a friend of the world is an enemy is in enmity with God. Mm -hmm. So uh, again, to give yourself, to live for, to be obsessed by 
to be all about this life, this world, to be uh, lured by the same things you're lured by. Here's the problem with a lot of us is we, we like the idea of faith in God because Jesus takes our condemnation away and he might just help me live the American dream even better than I could on my own. <laughs> and so we still have this selfish uh, focus that everything Jesus did is for me, and now Jesus is going to help me have a better marriage, have better kids, put two cars in the driveway, uh, succeed at my job, make the team in high school, get the right college. Yeah. He's just going to pour this stuff out on me and prosper me. It is win, 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 win. This because this is the lens that many of us have uh, entered into our relationship with God for. Sure. And so that's that again is another distraction. It's not the point. Many of God's people have been filthy rich, and many have been uh, incredibly persecuted. Because why? Well, God doesn't give a rip about possessions. Mm-hmm. He's not he's not bothered if you have them and he wants to take care of your needs. But guess what? That's not the point. <laughs> okay. We live for a new thing. Why? Because the spirit of God is in us. You know, one of the ways you can know this is you're just not quite as good at sin as you used to be. When mm. the spirit is in you, you feel conviction, you feel guilt, you feel um, you feel, uh, you know, a drawing to be a better person. Sure. But if you're feeling drawn to be a better person so that the ax doesn't fall on you and you go to hell when you die, you're still trapped in an old law way of thinking. Uh, the old law said, do John do, do tell the truth, do love God, do the right thing. Don't do the wrong thing. That was the that was religion. That was the Old Testament. The New Covenant is done. Jesus has done it for you. So get off the treadmill of performance. Now he's done that so that this is the phrase I keep seeing in all through the New Testament as I keep reading my Bible lately. That phrase is jumping out at me mm-hmm. that he has poured him spirit in you so that you might join him. Uh, I'm crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live. Not I, but Christ lives in me. But in this life I live now, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. So I, he gave, He put himself in me so that I could live a powerful, free, overcoming, conquering life. Join him in his mission. Be a new person. But we still have some dues. We still have, you know, um, I was naked and you did not clothe me. I was, you know, I was in prison and you did not visit me. Those are dues. Those are and that's, that's to similar to the talent. I think that's similar to the talents conversation. I gave you five talents, and what did you do? Hmm. Did you bury them in the sand? Did you? Uh, uh, yeah. So uh, God is God has uh, set you free so that you can live this beautiful, powerful, overcoming life. It's not now a scorecard. Still, the scorecard got nailed to the cross. Hmm. Okay. What the problem is? People say, well. Uh, and this is what Paul would have said, you know, hey, no, be sure of this. No perverts going to heaven, right? No <laughs> sexually immoral persons going to heaven. Yeah. Be- because Jesus set you free from your perversion. And Paul would say, mm-hmm. you become a slave to the one you obey. So you're still capable of sin. But if you give yourself to the master of sin and you become its slave again, then you're not living the life Christ put in you with his uh, living, enduring, supernatural uh, seed of life. You know, you were born again with the the life of Jesus in you. Yeah. That life has it has potent power, and it has the seed of greatness. So now we we have to learn to live a new life. You know, a newborn baby can't walk and run and and talk and eat and chew. It can't do any of that. And when you're born again, you're a newborn babe. You're craving spiritual milk, and you're and you're you don't know jack. <laughs> but then, as you grow, you know you're supposed to be growing into this this Christ that is in you, growing in Him. And so, this is an inspiration. Instead, when we talk about, well, will I go to heaven or hell? Where's the line? Am I going to go to hell? Am I right with God? You've totally sucked the life out of this invitation to become like Jesus. 
and now it's a mm-hmm. it's a beat down it's the it's the nun with the ruler slapping you in the hand <laughs> uh rather than the son of god you know i loved uh, my friend rodney spoke at evergreen recently and he said uh to me at lunch that day he said um you know we keep thinking of sin as a as a failure to be punished but I think in God's eyes, it is a disease to be cured. Hmm. And so God wants to heal you of the disease of sin and not punish you for your failure at sin. Sin is a disease. You were born with it. You can't not have it. Yeah. And so he, he came to heal this disease of sin. So then the logical question that the New Testament asks is, hey, if Jesus healed you of your sin, why do you keep living in it? Yeah. And and this call is, don't live that life. Live this new life. Dream of it. Pursue it. Uh, Paul says, I beat my body and make it my slave because I, you know, I don't want to be disqualified. And there's the, there's the rub is, well, what does disqualified mean? Am I going to be, am I going to be removed from the kingdom of God? So, but, so then the, the answer being, uh, well, just stop doing that. You know, just, just do right. Just stop it. Yeah. That's <laughs> early. That's, that's Romans seven. That's the, right. um, I want to do that, but I, but my, my body won't let me. Is that simply then that you don't have the spirit or, or what is that? I, I guess that that's still my question. Yeah. So I'm going to try to help you. Let's take our break. I want you, I'll do the show and tell, Okay. do our commercial. Then I'm going to help you with my understanding. And this is my understanding. You know, I'm. I don't know if I can uh, button this up real tight for you, but I'm going to try my best. Sure. All right. So show and tell, John. I've got this thing that I recently bought. I was down in Denver hoping my grandson would be born while I was there, and he decided to stick in the womb. He's now 11 or 12 days late. Goodness. Uh, So I was down there hoping he would be born, and um, so uh, I didn't bring something I needed with me. So I bought it there and I'm, I'm experimenting with, um, um, a new thing. So this thing is probably, um, I'm going to say four or five inches tall. It has a very, uh, I don't know if it's metal or very hard plastic, but it's a very stiff, uh, grip handle, uh, covered with a soft rubbery blue, um, skin. And then, um, it has at the top, uh, I'll just tell you, it's a razor. Oh. And uh, see if you can see this. And it is a razor. It's, a you know, to use with shaving cream and stuff. And it's got five blades. What in the world? Yeah. And it's called Harry's. You've and got so a beard. You could, what, are you, what are you shaving? My neck. I don't like that hairy neck like you have. Oh. I want a clean neck. Uh, I got a reputation. Uh <laughs> <laughs> anyway this is this is harry's razor and i guess there's a harry shave club you can get these mailed to your house huh and so i thought i'd give it a try so i bought a harry's razor it came with another replacement set of blades and this cool little cap that uh you keep it in every night so that it drips dry through there and keeps it preserved for traveling and it- i bought harry's shave cream and the shave cream is really interesting it's like a lotion but it does foam up on your neck a little bit, and it's it's uh, super slick. Uh, it's the best shaving experience I've ever had without an electric razor. Really? My electric razor is giving me fits. I've been very unhappy with it. And uh, I'm kind of signing up loving this Harry's thing. Well, no, again, no promotion here, but... Uh, yeah, we don't get... We, this is no... Uh, this doesn't pay us. I guess I shouldn't even tell you, <laughs> get Harry to pay us, some, give us some greenbacks. But, yeah. I uh early on in my beard days I actually missed shaving. It's kind of a nice it it feels kind of nice and I don't miss it in a lot of ways. I don't miss it enough to shave my face, but um but that's like taking a, care of yourself. It's like a it's like treating yourself like brushing special. Brushing your teeth almost. Yeah, like like deep clean kind of feeling. Yeah. I don't enjoy brushing my teeth. No. I do it all the time. I just don't enjoy it. It's a labor. I don't look forward to it, but when I'm there I'm like I'm like <laughs> You know, it's like getting a good scratch sometimes. Yeah. When I get up in the morning, um, I I love a morning hot tub. We got a hot tub this year. Oh, yeah. I love it in the morning, but I will not get in it till I brush my teeth. I can't stand the feeling in my mouth when my teeth are dirty. 
Yeah, so exactly. I, li- I like exactly. that clean feeling, but I can't stand brushing my teeth. I hate I hate the actual act. Hmm. So there you go. So we'll there take a go. picture of this razor and we will uh we will put it on the um on the Instagram so you can see Harry's razor. Awesome. All right, let's do our commercial break. We will be right back. Upstream is supported by the faithful members of the Upstream team, listeners who give monthly through Patreon. This podcast is just one part of the Jim and John ministry. They also write weekly blogs, have published their first book, and are currently at work on more. Their desire is to produce transformational content, as well as offer encouragement and coaching to others. The dream is to see a movement of people who are integrating the work of Jesus into their daily lives and who are joining him on his mission to redeem and restore all things. Check out their website at jimandjohn.com where you can learn more about the father-son duo and gain access to all they have to offer. If you would like to join the Upstream team, consider partnering with Jim and John on patreon.com slash jimandjohn. A link is also available on the homepage of their website. And remember, there's no H in John. Now let's join Jim and John for the home stretch of today's conversation. All right, we're back. Uh, thanks for uh, your support. Thanks for listening. Thanks for telling a friend. So, John, I'm going to give you what I think is uh, the most helpful thing I can think of, okay? Okay. So, um, so you have been um, born again. You, you believe that Jesus died for you. Mm-hmm. You put your faith in the the redemptive work that his blood, uh, that he who knew no sin became sin so that you and I could become the righteousness of God. So that, see, there's the so that again. Oh, yeah. Uh, Jesus died for you so that you could become something you could not be without him. And that is in right relationship with God, your sin atoned for, you are declared not guilty, And now you can become a child of God. He gave the right to become something that you couldn't be before. So now you have this invitation by God's grace to become a new person. If you, uh, so my hope is that you focus on becoming rather than wondering how you measure up. Paul said, I don't Mm. even judge myself. That doesn't mean I'm not guilty. But I don't even judge myself. It's God who judges me, and he'll do that at the end. I'm not worried about it anymore. And that's a really freeing place to be. Yeah. The one wow. last thing I would say is uh, the pathway here is death. And this is the part that um, I think is the, is the hinge for your own personal experience on this thing. So um, unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it will not bear fruit. But if it dies, it'll bear much fruit. We are buried with him. I died with Christ, Paul says. I died with him so that I might be raised to newness of life with him. So we we um, we participate in the death of Jesus so that our sinful nature is killed, so that it is dead, and we are raised to new life in Jesus. So um, so the practical example, um, my wife cheats on me. And um, I meet the guy she cheated with who uh, or say one of my daughters is raped and I meet the rapist, you know, whatever. You got this guy you hate and you want to you want to kill him. Mm -hmm. And what you do in that moment, as you say, Jesus, you know, Holy Spirit, empower me. I want to do this with you. What you realize is you have the power to die to your hate, to die to your need for revenge, to die to your need to judge to die for your need to for him to be condemned and for God to kill him and strike him dead. And you can raise to newness of life that inhales your own forgiveness and learns to forgive him. And so uh, the only way you can behave properly in that moment is to die to something. Hmm. And so this, this life in Jesus is actually a death of the self so that I can live in newness of life. Paul says, I died, but now I live in him. It almost sounds like you're schizophrenic. <laughs> but in, but instead of worrying about, am I in good standing with God? Am I going to go to heaven when I die? Did I do something? Did I sin one time too many? We all fall. 
John, first John, I write this to you so that you will not sin. But if you do sin, we have uh, an advocate to the Father, the Lord Jesus Christ, who's sitting at the right hand of the Father, interceding for us right now. So Jesus is continuing to remind the Father, hey, John just fell again. But you know what? I died for him. My blood covers him. Help him. And the Holy Spirit's in you to help you. You don't hmm. have to worry about condemnation anymore. So instead, fix all your energy and your joy in the fact that his grace is sufficient for you. You're not qualified for it. One of the conversations I want us to have on a future episode is the Beatitudes. I think we got the Beatitudes completely wrong. Hmm. And we, we so for example, uh, blessed are the poor in spirit for theirs is the kingdom. And we, and we say, oh, so this is calling me to be poor in spirit, to recognize my poverty uh, in my spirit. No, no, it's saying only poor people are blessed. Hmm. People who don't have resources. And here's the truth about you, John. You do not have the resources to live a good life. You don't have the resources to be holy. You don't have the resources to be faithful to God. You suck. <laughs> and that's why you're blessed, because you only those people are blessed. People who think mm. they can earn God's forgiveness, people who think they're good enough to satisfy the righteous requirements of Christ, people who think that their life now meets a standard at which I won't be condemned anymore. That's arrogance, pride, and absolute wrong. Sure. Only the only the poverty stricken get the kingdom. Man, I have one more question. Okay. And so I think instead of my takeaway, if you'll allow me, I'm going to do a final question. Okay. Because this, for me at least, I can't. I still don't have like a bow on this whole right question. So we read recently, um, I'm sure you've read it before, it really jumped out of me, um, uh, a passage that says, um, if you disown God, he will disown you. But if you yep. are unfaithful to God, he will not be unfaithful to you because he cannot be unfaithful to himself, is basically the, the passage. Um, and it's about, you know, being in Christ. Like you said, there's in Christ and there's with Christ, um, within hidden inside Christ. And he's within you that, that oneness there is kind of what it's about. Yeah. That's second Timothy chapter two. It says, uh, here is a trustworthy saying, okay, you can trust this. If we died with him, okay. If my grandmother said, if is the biggest word in the dictionary, mm -hmm. if we died with him, then we will also live with him. If we endure, we're going to reign with him. If we disown him, he also disowns us. If we are faithless, he remains faithful, for he cannot disown himself. What does that say to you? Well, I'm not giving the answers. This is my final question. <laughs> my final question is, what's the difference between disowning and being unfaithful? I think there's a great question. We are faithless. That's the poverty part. Mm. Blessed are the poor. I am not capable of being faithful. I'm going to mislead you. John, I love you. You're my son. I love you. There's not, you know, only your mother do I love more than you. And these other siblings you have, I love them the way I love you. But I will be faithless to you. I will let you down. I will not tell you the truth I should tell you. You know, mm. I, this this is the fallen nature of humanity. And if I'm faithless, he remains faithful. But if I disown him, if I say, that's it, I hate you, go away from me, I want nothing to do with you, I renounce you, then he will disown me. Gotcha. That's so what it's I like, think. It's, an, it's, not a, it's not an accident. It is a No, you don't wake up one day and go on, oh, man, oh, man, I disowned <laughs> Jesus and I didn't even mean to. Sure. <laughs> you know, you're going to. When if you have a relationship that goes bad, there comes a point in that relationship where you go, that's it, I'm out. I'm yeah. tapping out. And that doesn't happen without you making the decision. Gotcha. Do you have a, a, a takeaway? Well, uh, that that uh, whenever I find two things in the Bible, and this is really what we found, two things yeah. in the Bible that appear to be in conflict. I am saved by grace alone through faith, not of myself. It's all a work of God. I can't take any credit for it. 
and no sexually immoral person will enter the kingdom of God, um, live this newness of life. Um, you know, the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, gentleness, kindness, faithfulness, self-control. That's what you should be. Mm-hmm. And so a faith without works is dead. James, whenever I find two things that appear to be in conflict in the Bible, I realize they're both true. Hmm. And so this is not either or this is both. And sure. I am, I am both completely forgiven, redeemed purely by the act of Jesus, the faith I have, he gave me, there is nothing in me that deserves any of this. And now that he lives inside of me, there is an expectation of fruitfulness. He curses the tree that bears no fruit because he put that tree there to bear fruit. And the the roots of Jesus, you know, sink your roots deep into Christ. You can't do that without bearing fruit. Yeah. So there is an expectation of fruitfulness. They're both true. That's why this, wrestling with, well, when, when do I fall out of the kingdom if I'm not fruitful enough? It's the wrong question. That's the question that you're, you're assuming that God has a transactional relationship with you, that he, you, if you don't keep your end of the deal, he's out. And he's already told you, if you're faithless, I remain faithful. Hmm. That's where I live. I live in the, man, God, I suck so bad. I keep learning new ways of how badly I suck. Thank you for your grace. And I'm finding new ways that the Spirit is at work in me, and I can participate in the strength of God and the grace of God and and be something I've never been before in terms of kindness and love and forgiveness, generosity toward the poor, uh, being disentangled from possessions and money and stuff. Uh, I keep learning both how bad I am and how amazing God is. Sure. And this different life he's inviting me to live by his power, not my own. Sure. So it's pretty exciting if you can get, if you can stop uh, getting hung up on this uh, really stupid question about, well, am I still saved? I think it's a, it's a trick of the devil to keep you wrapped up in anxiety not enjoying the relationship. Can you imagine if every day Lindsay wondered if you still loved her? <laughs> did she did she upset you enough or you're going to leave her? You know, this yeah. is really what you're talking about. You're talking about living in a relationship where you so don't trust that person who says they love you that they're going to bail out on you. But that's my that's still my hang up. It's not quite that because it's if I said, hey, um, if you well, trying to think if you are a slanderer then we can't be married and then she slanders and then she thinks oh man are we automatically divorced did our divorce happen without me knowing it that's the thing that's the the conundrum you know what i'm saying yeah yeah but i think and the for me i will give a takeaway even though i substituted it for my my question good i'd love to hear one because i don't think i've done a very good job helping you here so i feel what, bad what's your takeaway no i think you've done great i think you're you're dropping straight gold, and I'm just like, yeah, well, and I'm I'm like just pushing them around with a stick or something. Um, What's your takeaway? I think it's that that um, contradiction thing you said that it is both because there are so many mysteries of God that are both that are two mm-hmm. things that that seem um, incompatible. Yeah. And I think it's an easy um, criticism from the outside to say, well, it contradicts itself constantly, and it's not. It doesn't. It has. Um, um, God is is obviously not easily comprehended. So Jesus was fully God and fully man. Those mm-hmm. are both true. And this um, is called faith. You know, your faith has to be stronger than your doubts. Yeah. Um, so how do I know that he's not, that I haven't crossed the line as a slanderer and he's going to disown me and I'm going to wake up divorced? I know that because I trust God. Mm. Uh, it is a walk of faith. I trust him not to abandon me in my frailty and in my stupidity. Uh, it's, uh, somebody said something that really helped me the other day. When God called you to do something for him, he factored in your stupidity. <laughs> <laughs> it didn't surprise him. Right. Yeah. Well, that that helps. That is definitely, that would be my takeaway. That's good. All right. Well, I hope this has been helpful to you. Uh, check us out at jimandjohn.com. No H in the John. Uh, Instagram, Jim and John at Jim and John. Is that what it is? Is it at, or is it just Jim and John? At, yeah. At Jim and John and never, yeah. never an H in the John. 
Um, and uh, and it's tricky. I know Upstream is our is our podcast, but all of our stuff is Jim and John. So it's, it is the Upstream podcast by us. So our website's Jim and John. Find us on Instagram at Jim and John. And you can either uh, uh, DM us there or leave a comment on the website. Or, or you email can email us. us at info at com. That's the one. We'd love to hear from you. Have a great day. Thank you.